0: Welcome to Inspiring Science Teachers. My name is Chris Stoker and the goal of this podcast is to tap into the minds of great science teachers and share those ideas with all of you. So thanks for listening. For this episode, my colleague Becky Fakis and I interviewed Ben Ott, a middle school biology and physical science teacher. Ben shares his periodic table spelling bee activity, gives some great advice about intentionally doing things that scare us, like teaching chemistry, and bringing energy and passion to your teaching. Ben has 23 years in the classroom and we really enjoyed the conversation. So once again, welcome and thanks for joining us. Well, Ben, uh, thanks for letting us come to your room here and chat with you a little bit. Um, Let's just start off with um, you talking
1: about what you teach, how long you've been teaching and a little bit of that stuff. All right. Um, I teach biology and physical science at LeBois Junior High in the Boise School District. I've also taught biology and chemistry at Borah High School, as well as life science back in Missouri, where I started. Uh, this is my 23rd year of teaching. Okay, so we're the same number of years. You're? 21. 21, so,
0: all right. Um, what, did you think you were gonna be a teacher? Back in Missouri, was that always a plan, or have you it kind of morph into that?
1: So both of my parents were teachers. My mom taught preschool music, and she was a choir director, and my father was a um, music theory professor at a university in Missouri. And so teaching was all I ever watched them do. So as a teenager, I did not want to be a teacher. I <laughs> wanted to do something completely different, and I lent I. Uh, music I love music but it wasn't what I wanted to do Um, but I liked helping people and so I thought I wanted to be a doctor because I wanted to help people so I went through like I want to be an EMT I want to be a nurse I want to be a doctor and so when I went to college I went as pre-med and that lasted until I took my first chemistry class and I was like how many of these do I have to take and they were like well all of them and and at the time (laughs) that just that terrified me and I was like okay But I had taken a number of science classes and I was like, I really like biology, so maybe I'll be a teacher. And so I called my mom and dad and I told them, I think I'm gonna switch my major to education. And I didn't know what they were gonna say and they were both like, yeah, we were expecting you to do that. And so they just knew right away that I was gonna be a teacher. Um, So then, then, yeah, I just got into the classes and so in Missouri, I went to Southeast Missouri State University in Cape Girardeau. And uh, they have a bachelor's in education with, of unified science, they called it. Mm. And so I had to take all of the basic level science classes. Two chemistry, two, bi- two biology, two physics, two uh, you know, or science, everything. And then on top of that, I had to take, I had to emphasize. So I emphasized in biology. So then I had to take all the biology credits as well. Mm. So that was, that was the degree. And, and uh, then on top of that, you do all the education classes. And so that's, yeah, that's how that worked.
0: With the unified science major, did you get kind of a universal certificate or was it only
1: in your emphasis area of bio? So in Missouri, I could teach any level biology class. But I could only teach like the basic level physics class or chemistry class. Okay. Or, or geology class or something like that. Um, but because I emphasize in biology, the, the certificate let me teach higher level biology. Yeah. So. then I added a middle school certification because I had to be there for a couple more classes. I was on the five-year plan. And so um, (laughs) I had to add a couple more classes, so I figured I might as well... I was there already, so I might as well add the middle school certification, which was lucky because that was, like, the only job out there when I finished was middle school science. Mm -hmm. So it was good that I, I added that in.
0: Gotcha. So where you didn't love chemistry in the beginning, looking back, was it... Learning chemistry to understand the bio, all the biochem, that kind of made it seem like chemistry wasn't so bad. Or did it take years of teaching b- before you actually tackled it, chemi- teaching chemistry, where you, yeah. you started
1: to like it more? Or- so it, it scared me. Um, <laughs> I wasn't good at it. I didn't enjoy it. The math—I've never been a super strong math person, right? Uh, at least in my head. And I, so I was always like, "Oh, there's no way I could do it." But after having taught, I guess I was teaching like 10 years at that time, a spot opened up to teach chemistry. And my department chair at the time um, was like, I think you should, should take this over. And, and I was like, "Um, uh, sure. He's like, no, you'll be fine. So there was another chemistry teacher who was an excellent teacher. And he literally walked me through every day that first year and second year when I forgot everything. So he was like, he just walked me through how to do it. Um, and so I wanted the challenge, and what I found was, because I love chemistry now, what I found was not only did it make the biology make more sense, talking about polar bonds and all this mm-hmm. stuff, it was um, the sequence we'd learned to teach of like how to convert in the metric system and how to do dimensional analysis, it just all of a sudden started to make sense, and it like just through the whole class we would build so you could do stoichiometry, and all of this, and it was just really exciting. What I found was interesting, though, is traditional chemistry people and traditional biology people look at things very differently, and having taught both now, it's really interesting the bigger picture that I have. Um, like a biology person will look at hydrogen bonding a certain way, and then you talk to the chemistry person and they're like talking about electronegativity, which the bio person isn't talking about. So it's, it's really interesting to have those um, that bigger picture.
0: No, that's I can relate to that. I did physics and math, and those are kind of similar in that you, you look at things differently. And so I felt like I, uh, understanding both helped me be better too. So yeah. I, I, I can relate to that. Well, one of the things we like to do is kind of have you walk us through one of your favorite lessons or uh, unit or however kind you want to do it with a little bit of a teacher overview and maybe what the students experience and and why you like it. So okay. you can kind of tackle that however you want.
1: All right. So I, I thought about that and um, I'm gonna actually doing a chemistry example. So okay. it's funny because I started as a bio person. But uh, so I, I called a periodic table spelling bee. And I don't know where I got this idea. It was not my idea originally, I stole it from someone. Um, so the from a teacher point of view, where it's the first day of the periodic table unit. And I've done this lesson in physical science, which has a chemistry semester, right. basic chemistry, and full chemistry class. Um, so it's the first day of the unit. They've seen the periodic table forever. They don't know anything about it, really. Uh, some have memorized the periodic table song, right? So they, know right. they can see yeah. them all. So the idea is they use the symbols on the, of the elements to write words, to spell out words. So for example, no, would be nitrogen and oxygen. And so I just, I have a little paper form and they just, I just come up with as many as they can. And so from my point of view, they have to come up with a the word, they have to write the symbols correctly, right? One's, and I go over, you know, the first letter is capital, the second is lowercase if there's a lowercase. So they have to write them correctly. Um, and then they have to like write the symbol and write the name. And so then they do as many as they can. And I give a, a prize to the the, uh, student who comes up with the longest word, and uh, I have a number of rules for them, like no bad words. (laughs) If they have to ask, then it's not, they can't do it. Um, No proper nouns, I have a whole bunch of Mm. things like that. And then, so the point of it is that in one class period, the students go from, it's like learning to type, they go from, okay, I go, where's oxygen? And then they sit and they stare at the periodic table and they can't find it and they can't find it. So it takes them forever to, by the end of that period, they've looked at the periodic table in a fun way that the next day I'll be like, where's sodium? Right there. Where's, where's sulfur? Right there. And all of a sudden they know, in general, at least where things should be located, top, bottom, left, right. And it, the, fluid, how, the fluidity it builds in their ability to find things on the periodic table is is great Hmm. so from the teacher's point of view that's why I do it and that's the basic lesson um, that part of the lesson and then so from the kid's point of view it's so much fun to watch because they're at first they're like well and then I tell them the rules like okay well if you add an s to the end of some words it makes it plural so that's a new word and so then you know (laughs) nation sodium titanium you know oxygen nitrogen is also nations because they add sulfur and so they just go through all that uh, and then you get people and they're they're like going to different tables and different groups and, and helping each other and finding them and then you'll hear someone be like is there an is there an e? Oh well, there's no there's an S E because you can't just do an E because there is no E by itself but there's an F E and an S E and an E R and and so they have to find those combinations. Um, so from their point of view they spend that time, they all have fun with it, and then they don't really know that they're learning anything. Um, but then by the end of that day, like I said, they're they're, they're fluent in it. Um, and I, I, I do focus on having them write it out correctly uh, when they write the words, because I don't want them to write capital A, capital L for aluminum, because right. it's not right. And so I tell them like, that's Al, that's not aluminum, you can't do that. And so we go through and make sure um, they can do that. And then they, somebody always wants to do the longest. And so like, I have this whole paper they're supposed to fill out, and, and like, you always have one who doesn't do any of it, but he comes up with, like, an 18-letter word or something. And I'm like, all right, well, that's fine, too. So, um, so it's all good. Uh, so then that leads into other unit lessons in the unit where we, um, we do a license plate activity where we follow the rules of a license plate, and they have to, now they can pick any word they want, and it doesn't have to be exactly correct, like because you know license plates, it just sounds right. So now, but they do, right, it, right. so they can do anything they want, but they have to do, do it well. So um, I had someone do like Hell's Canyon, and they draw cactus, so they design and color these things, and it's just beautiful. Um, and so it's the same idea, but now they just pick one word, and they and they can do that one word. So that's kind of nice. decorate the classroom with them, and that's kind of nice. We laminate them. Um, and then that just leads to all the other uh, units in the periodic table Um, but now when I say where's magnesium it takes them no time at all to go and once in a while you'll get someone who is absent during that first class
0: Mm.
1: and they are totally lost and they're so slow until they go back and do that first lesson and it's just super Mm. obvious so I just that's the lesson I really enjoy and um everybody That's seems cool to like him, so
0: is that a Ben Ott original that lesson or did it you steal it from something I don't remember where it? it
1: came from but I stole it from somebody <laughs> um, I've added to it with like certain rules right. and the, and the longest word and things like that but yeah now I I'm, I'm I don't know if I can say I've come up with a lot of original stuff I've I've stolen a lot so
0: well, we jokingly call that harvesting, yes. but, you
1: know. Yes, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Make so. it a little better and then share it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> as long as you share it, you're fine. Yeah, That's right. right. Well, um, kind of related to that, what strategy or activity have you found um, that, like, is kind of one of your go-tos that just always seems to work uh,
1: for helping kids? Um, well, I have a couple of things. So, first off is um, just the energy the teacher has. Um, teachers have to be passionate about what they're doing. You, I, I cannot teach sitting down. I don't think anyone really teaches well sitting down and you can walk around your buildings and watch people and you can see if they're sitting down the kids just act different. So it's about how much energy you put out into the classroom is how much you're going to get back and I it's almost an equal, equal thing. Um, so first of all the teacher has to be excited about it uh, and that's, so that's really a, a strategy for me, is I come in excited each day and happy each day to do that. And the kids feed on that, even if they're having a bad day. Um, I like to cover topics in multiple ways. You know, we talk about it, we do some kind of activity or a manipulative, watch a short video, um, and then do some labs. Uh, kids like doing stuff. Um, I think we all like doing stuff. Instead of sitting and listening, I would rather do something. And so I've really focused on a lot of labs. uh, And that really didn't start really until I started teaching chemistry. And we had all these labs. I did a few labs in biology. I do a lot more now. Mm. Um, But I didn't know how to do labs at first. Because that's not something I really got taught in college. Because I wasn't a chemistry major in college or anything. So the hands-on activities are are pretty important i think so that's that's a big one uh, for me i also think like the culture you you create i don't know if this is the same question but the culture you create in the class with your kids is super important Um, you have to you have to get them to trust you and to do that they have to know that you actually care about them and so i don't do a lot of like Standalone culture building the first few days Mm. I get right into curriculum Mm -hmm. and Sometimes I've been questioned about that. It's like Mm. don't you want to and I'm like no we just get right into it And but at the same time, I'm also talking with kids and moving around and we're doing stuff and Because once they trust you They will do anything for you and then we get to those topics that aren't as exciting and I can still pull them along Because they trust that oh we're gonna get to a cool lab here pretty soon. This is yeah. we're gonna do something okay. So, Becky and I were just talking about
0: yesterday that culture building piece and stuff, how important it is, and the, I feel like I kind of did what you're talking about. Is love to just dump, jump into the curriculum, and I think it is important that you find ways to do the culture, even if Absolutely. it isn't like on the first day. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's if it's through the context of of the learning itself
1: which i think is to me kind of the ideal way to do it if you can yeah right yeah because i mean uh you know at the beginning of the school year we always have you know there's some initiative right that's going to be put out there and so like oh this year we're going to try this and this year we're going to try this and it ends up everybody like does the same thing and so now from a kid's point of view they go into first period and they're like oh this is pretty cool and then they go into second period and they're like i just did this and so then i get my eighth period class (laughs) and they're just like why are we doing this so yeah I just like to go and I've heard kids my whole career like say oh we did nothing all day oh until we got to science class yeah so it's like let's go let's do something and while they're working I can walk by and be like so what's your name you know and then I can you know we can talk about it make jokes we laugh a little bit and so you can build culture without taking six days memorizing names you know by throwing a beanbag at them absolutely
0: I like that Um, Excellent. Um, Would you say that you have evolved a lot? I mean it kinda sounds like you're saying uh, you have (laughs) and like teaching chemistry at least for labs like kinda opened up this new lab-based hands-on world but are there other ways you feel like you've changed a lot in your career?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, How I assess and what I grade. I graded everything when I first started. I mean Every piece of paper came in. I had to grade it, and I thought for sure if I didn't grade it, they weren't going to do it. And 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 it, they never looked at it. But I didn't. I just ignored that, and I just went on. Um, so how I assess students and what I grade uh, has changed dramatically. Yeah. Um, the only th- we we do pretty much standards based right now grading. Um, I it's it's hundred percent summative. Like the tests are the grade. I don't grade the notebook I give out. I don't grade labs, um, but the tests I create are not multiple choice. Quizzes are usually, tests are not. Um, So I don't grade the lab, but when I give the test, the test directly asks questions about the labs they did. Um, And if that doesn't work, then why am I doing that lab? So it has to match that standard. So if I'm doing a lab on heating baking soda, and we're looking at states of matter, then I should on the test ask that question. So how I assess has changed dramatically. I feel it's a lot more authentic than it used to be. Mm. Um, and I, that bigger picture also has changed me as I've taught more different subjects, different grade levels. Uh, I've, I've changed like with, with the labs. Um, when I was teaching at Bora High School, high school biology, we, we had uh, it's changed now, but we had to cover plants, teach plants. And that is some dry material, right? <laughs> and I mean, high school, and it was at the end of the year at the time. And it was like, you know, I had, I had seniors in that class sometimes. They were like, what are we doing? And the plant, and so a, a coworker, Alex Lachance and I were like, let's just make the whole unit labs, the whole thing. And so we found a way to make the whole unit, just microscopes and collecting and pressing plants and doing all these labs and the kids got just as much out of that as they did If not more than they did when we talked about Monocots and dicots at them, right? right. So that has all changed. So that's where that lab really It's just as I progressed. I did more and more. I felt more comfortable doing those because you know You're giving up a lot of control. Mm. It would seem at first you letting them do labs because you want them controlled and quiet in class, right? But then you realize that that's you, all your energy is just keeping them quiet. But during a lab, it can be a little chaotic and they can can be doing that. Um, And then the biggest evolution I think is when I became a parent uh, Mm. and my kids started school and then he had teachers and he came (laughs) home and he had opinions and I would look at what they were doing and so, and then I would start thinking, okay, so if my son was in my class, how would that change? How does that change what I want to do? Like, should I do this lesson? Is it, or is it just filler, right? Is it because I'm tired? Am I doing that lesson? And so becoming a parent cha- like really had me look at things differently and realize that like my class is one small piece of their day, of the kid's day. And they might be having a really bad day. And so it made me be more forgiving yeah. and understanding of kids too. Right. So.
0: I feel exactly the same way. That's a great point, um, and I and it kind of relates to parent-teacher conferences. Like when I would go and listen to parents and hear their version of their kid, the part that I don't know, like the parent inside me like related to that, and Absolutely. it made me want to work
1: harder yep. to help their kid. For sure. So yeah, parent-teacher conferences have changed over my years too. Yeah, it's because in the end, this this you know. Ninth grade physical science is not going to end a kid if they don't. If it's not the end, right? It's just yeah. this is one little snippet of their life, and so yeah, just more forgiving and understanding. And uh, yep, they messed up, and we're gonna we're gonna try yeah. again tomorrow, kind of thing. Yeah. So,
0: Becky, did you find being a parent? Changed well, your view?
1: Yeah, I was in a small enough district that my kids were in my class.
0: <laughs> yeah, and true. it really does change your perspective when you know your son is going to be staring
1: at you while you're giving this lesson. What's he going to say about it later? And then long after you know, my own kids are out of my class, I'm still left thinking like, yeah. all of these kids are someone's child, yeah. and is that what they want for their kids? And it kind of gives you that more human view, right. I think, of, of your students
0: yeah well cool um what is shifting gears here a little bit what's one area of science or one part about science that you wish kind of the average person understood a little bit better um and maybe why do you
1: wish that uh so this one came right to me diseases vaccines versus antibiotics yeah Um, obviously we know the COVID and the shutdown and all the things and, the vac- and, you know, what a vaccine is, it's just people don't under, in general, my, ex- my experience is people don't understand, um, like, first of all, what is a vaccine? When do we get a vaccine versus an antibiotic? And so I, I hit that so hard in my biology class. And it's like, you know, if you have a bacterial infection, you're sick, and you go to the doctor and you get a medicine called an antibiotic, and it makes you better. So you get it after. But the vaccine you need to, usually, you need to get before and this is how a vaccine works and so there's just all this information out there about vaccines uh, and antibiotics and diseases in general and there's just a lot of wrong information out there just or incomplete information that people have um so yeah i i feel like because you'll hear it on the news all the time but i don't know if people actually you know i'm like do you actually understand what they're saying and yeah you know and so that's that's something i think is frustrating for me when i hear so you feel like you hear it wrong sometimes in the media. I do sometimes, sometimes or just yeah. incomplete. Yeah, just not so much wrong, but just incomplete. Like, and and they throw data out there a lot, but data can be manipulated. Yeah, and so it's like you know. And I talk to my kids about you know why vaccinations have been good in the past and why we should get vaccinated, and and uh, and things like that. And I've had I've lately had some really good discussions with students about about vaccines and, and antibiotics and just medicines and and the C D C and everything. Yeah. You know, some some pretty heated not heated discussions, but heated topics. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Have you found that students really want to understand it better or that they, you know, have heard certain versions of it at home or from friends
1: and they just want the whole story or you know i i uh, I've always found that anything dealing with the human body, junior high kids especially high school too, they want to know as much as they can be told yeah and so I've always had a rule that if you want to ask me a question, I will answer that question, so be careful because it's going some questions are a little embarrassing when you ask them The answer might be embarrassing so and I've had kids ask all kinds of amazing questions over the years, and I always try to tell them the my understanding of what I understand right. you know. Um, so they do want to know they want to know and that bill goes back to that culture as well once they trust you they'll actually listen and look things up too and i'll have kids look things up on their own and come and say this is what i found is this true and i'm like where would you find it and we have those conversations yeah. as well so well, that's good um if you could go
0: back and maybe you've already answered this right with some of the things you said but if you could go back to give yourself as a first-year teacher some advice, like, what, what would be at the
1: top of that list? Um, I have a few things, I guess. So realize that parents are, they're just worried about their kid. Yeah. And so, because uh, I would, my the most stressful part of the first few years of teaching for me was dealing with parents. Uh, no one told me how to deal with an angry parent. Um, or a parent who just honestly came and said things like, how are you challenging my child? I, I, I'm i just teaching my curriculum I don't know you know and so as a new teacher that's really hard so but just realizing that they're coming from a good place the vast majority are coming from a good place they're just worried about their kid and so that's that would be something to tell myself is look mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I worked with a teacher when I first started and she said uh, teaching is a three-legged stool you have the parent the teacher and the kid mm-hmm. and if any one of those two legs is not working then it's gonna fall over, and so you know you need the parents, and you need the kid, and you need yourself. All of you need to work together. Um, so that was that was pretty powerful. Um, I would say to myself to do things that scare you. Uh, I taught life science, seventh grade life science for seven years, and I remember my principal right before I left. My principal was like, I think I'm gonna switch it up and make everyone teach a different grade, and that scared me to death. I was like, I just figured out how to do this. I don't want to change, but Every time I've jumped into something that's scary, I've grown tremendously, and my teaching has gotten better, I think. Yeah. So that would be a big one. And then um, I reflect on a daily basis, just on a document I make, just to write some things down, like how did things go? Um, and then after you've done that every day for a year, you have it for every, forever, and you can give it to other people, and, it, and it's great because you know, I'll say, oh, this didn't work, next year do this. But then I always forgot to do that, of course, mm-hmm. until I was halfway through the lesson the next year and I was like, oh, I was gonna change this. So reflecting every day like that just reduced my stress a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting organized. Uh, I see so many teachers who are stressed and they're overworked, but then I, I go and look and every year they recreate the wheel because they don't know where that was or they can't remember exactly how that worked. And so they're just redoing it. I'm like, but you did this 10, for 10 years. Why are you still stressed about it? And so organization and being efficient, right? Um, And then I guess the last one was to really with new teachers is um, just to be really careful what you take on because they will give you, people will give you as much as you will say you'll take. Um, I've seen new teachers with five preps. Um, I've seen, uh, and coaching. And then, oh, lunch duty. Oh, and go to the dance and you know and they don't feel they can say no and so i think a, a good department head is important or somebody in the school to say wait, wait wait you know i'll go help with lunch duty this person needs 10 minutes alone every day so they don't lose it mm-hmm. um so i think just be careful to not overwork that's great advice yourself Yeah, because it is easy to get overworked um
0: Oh, this, those are some really good pieces of advice yeah um, what let's just talk about you for a minute um, what what are some things or is one thing that you have learned either personally or professionally or something that has kind of stoked your curiosity or got you fired up about your own learning or your own abilities or something
1: um, I I just I, I like to follow science news and, and like new discoveries and stuff like that right. so you know different things with Mars and I just I'm just a big geek on all that uh lately um FDA just approved an Alzheimer's drug because they've had a big breakthrough Mm -hmm. with that Uh, sort of a big breakthrough it's been approved it was rushed through um and uh, I've known I've known family that have had that and so that's that's really exciting to see that you know, you, you hear about people giving money to these things, you know, to cancer, to yeah. Alzheimer's, and then they actually do make breakthroughs and make improvements, and it's pretty it's pretty cool to see. So oh, that's cool.
0: Do you, uh, I guess as a follow-up, do you have, like, certain blogs or newsletters mm-hmm. or websites you go to to kind of keep up on that? Um, you know, I not especially.
1: Uh, Maybe I, blogs are dying out. I don't know if that's still a thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't really read many blogs. Um <laughs> But just like a, just just like Reuters news in the morning before I come to yeah. work, that's when I heard about the Alzheimer's. Then I go and look it up, you know, and read about it more. NPR, Science Fridays and stuff, things like that. Yeah. yeah. Cool.
0: Well, is there anything else you want to share about, you know, science education or teaching or anything like that?
1: Um, yeah. So I thought of a couple things. So I, I talk a lot about labs. Mm-hmm. And... Um, then I find, then I talk to, collaborate with people, and they're like, "Yeah, I got these great online labs," and some labs are. It's great to have some online stuff. The world needs online things once in a while, but online labs, you can't just do those. They're, to me, the kids have to like touch stuff and measure stuff and break glass on accident and learn to clean it up and mix liquids and cut things open and use a hot plate. They. Yeah. They love that, and they, they get so excited to do it. So uh, um, I cringe when people only want to do the online lab because that ends up meaning the teacher's going to sit down mm-hmm. and watch you on the computer. And so to me, that's not as exciting. So um, I would say don't let go of the hands-on stuff. Um,
0: and kids can see, like, the water vapor and gases coming up right. when you heat it, yeah. like the lab you're doing.
1: And, yep. Yeah. 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 Um, I would also say that, uh, in the end, I see my job as a secondary science teacher is uh, not necessarily to prepare kids for med school. That's not my job. Um, now, if I'm teaching AP Bio, maybe that's different, maybe that's, but, I, but I don't want to be an AP teacher. I, I like working with a different level, They're a different uh, area. Um, like my goal is for them to, to teach science, obviously. I want them to learn some facts and things. But if, if they can walk out at the end of every day or most days or the end of the year saying, okay, that was pretty good, I think I'm going to go take more science, that's like a win for me. That's my goal. Because for years, I, I run into people all over town all the time, hey, Mr. Ott, and they see me and they, they come up to me and they ask me stuff. And I ask them, I go, okay, I had you how many years ago? Oh, five years ago. Okay. What do you remember? Oh, that time we blew up the balloon. It had, I think it had hydrogen gas in it. They always say labs every single time. What do you remember from biology? Oh, we dissected that rat. Yeah, that's all they remember. They don't remember photosynthesis, right? And, you know, most people don't need to remember photosynthesis. And so just to, like, as a teacher, just remember our goal is to inspire kids to keep learning, not for them to memorize everything. And I have kids memorize stuff. the test which i think is a great skill right you need to memorize things but in the end they're not going to remember most of it Um, but if they want to become a doctor they have to like we need to promote them to take more science so that's been my kind of goal there and then the last thing was just collaboration Um, i've always naturally collaborated well i don't know why exactly that is but my first my first teaching job i came in and no one talked to each other. And I was like, what is happening? And so I was like, I wanna do this, do you have this? And the teacher was like, I do, it's in my cabinet. And I'm like, <laughs> why is it in your cabinet? And he goes, well, when I give it away, I found out later, when, it, when I give it to someone, they, the guy didn't give it back. And I was like, well, he retired, so can I have it? I'll give it back. And all of a sudden, like people started sharing and collaborating. And we have official collaboration, right? right. PLC, CLC, all kinds of things, which are great. And they work, and it, it, it shows people how to collaborate. And I like those things. But there's also like just the everyday collaboration, where I'm in the hall, I go and talk to my other science teachers. Or I show this thing to an English teacher, and I go, does this make any sense to you, how I wrote, wrote this? Um, so collaboration makes being a teacher fun. It makes your lessons better. It lowers your stress level, because you start sharing responsibilities. Um, You work on the website while I go set up that lab, and um, can you clean this up because I'm busy today? And all of a sudden, everybody's working together, and it's and it's great. So,
0: that's awesome. I believe that's like the best sales pitch we've heard for collaboration in (laughs) a long time. Not that it was a sales pitch, but you know. Well, our last question, Ben, is really we kind of want to end on some of the crazy things that happen when you're a teacher and. I'm sure you've had a lot of things where there's, kids have said funny things or weird stories. So what, what, kind of, what kind of good stuff do you have for us?
1: Man, I, you know, there's so many little things. I, I decided to tell you my PEZ story.
0: Oh, good, because I was going to ask you about yeah. that. I wrote it down.
1: I have, over, I have over 200 PEZ dispensers in my classroom. Um, and, so, and, I, and this goes back to culture as well. Um, so when I was teaching at Bora, I had a kid come in one day randomly. I have a little bit of a Star Wars problem. You might notice from my class. <laughs> I've seen it around a, a lot of Star here. Wars. Um, so a kid came to my class one day and he gave me a Darth Vader Pez dispenser. And I was like, oh, thanks. And, he, and so I was like, hmm. And I, what am I gonna do with this thing? So I put it up on top of the board. Just fit perfectly. And that's all. And it made the kid feel good because I put it up on the board. And I was like, all right, I knew what to do with this. And then, like, two days later, another kid brought me a Star Wars Pez. And I was like, oh, sweet. And so then I had people asking me, so do you collect Star Wars Pez? Is that, like, your thing? (laughs) And I was like, yes, I do. And they're like, okay. And so, but I was like, but only Star Wars Pez. And so they were like, okay. And so I started getting gifts of Star Wars Pez. Okay. And they're all in one place. So then I was like, well... I have to organize them because that's what I do. And so then I put them on the light side and the dark side. And so now I have all the Pez organized, light side, dark side. And then someone, my last year at Bora, gave me um, Elsa from Frozen. And so I put her on the dark side. And they lost it. They were like, why is she on the dark side? And it was just funny. Um, And I was like, fine, you know, because you gave me something other than Star Wars. But then I left Boring, I came back to a junior high, Leblanc Junior High, and I put them up, um, just the Star Wars Pez. And within a month, they were bringing me every Pez possible. And I get I get new ones every year, so the new ones I get I put up at the front of the room, and then I eventually space them out. But I've given I've gotten like 20 this year already, and kids just give me Pez, and so it's my thing apparently now, and <laughs> people get get them for me all the time. Um, I have numerous ones. I don't like Pez candy. They all ask. I give the candy <laughs> away to other teachers, um, but I like the Pez dispensers. So uh, the k- kids like it when you have a thing, and it can be almost anything, but they, they yeah, like that. Yeah, they
0: do. Do you, do you have to be dis- uh, use some discretion and like, I'm not going to put that one up, or are they all like appropriate? <laughs> I mean, they've all been appropriate. Ones?
1: I mean, yeah, they've all been appropriate, uh, but I still organize them. So yeah i haven't had any weird ones so there's there's a three i had someone 3d print me a pez oh wow so and then i had a parent of a kid draw me as a pez and i put that up so yeah it's pretty pretty ridiculous but i have so many i have more that i haven't put out i have holiday pez and i mean i put them up for the different holidays yeah oh that's awesome um I did notice on your,
0: your class website, you had a video of a cat. Is there, is there a story behind that or is that,
1: it was meowing or something? Oh yeah. So that was during, that was during COVID. Okay. Um, we were asked to, well, we weren't asked to, I mean, a number of teachers were doing it. We were making, you know, get to know your teacher virtually. And so, um, there's like a picture of a pet, some pets, I think. And, and it became like a Scavenger hunt kind of question mm. things like you know what kind of pets does Mr. Ott have, and so yeah I have ah, a cat gotcha. and so it was just little different things. Um, I, I totally forgot that that was out there. So actually, so it's funny because <laughs> like I'm taking it, that down right yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, because I talk about the fact that I have a cat, but um, but yeah so that that's from what that was there.
0: Okay, awesome. Was there anything else that we didn't cover that you wanted to hit on? I don't I don't think so. Becky, anything that no. you thought of?
1: Oh, this was fun. Thanks, Ben. Oh, this, this
0: was is awesome. I, I think you've been—you've really given some practical and yet at the same time philosophical, like insights. And I think people are really going to appreciate kind of that balance. So appreciate the time. Well, thanks for coming out. I
1: I like that you uh, you're doing this. Yeah, this is fun. So yeah, thanks.